everyone. Before we get started today, uh, we just have a couple of announcements. We are gearing up for Pride Month this year. Would want to, you know, submit any questions to us about uh, gender and sexuality. Uh, these can be either about myself or Lark's experiences or both of us. Feel free to email questions that are specifically for one of us to answer. Or if you just have questions in general, let us know. And we will read those questions and answer them and I'm, I'm making a gesture that doesn't make any sense for one of our pride month special thank episodes you. Thank you. we're gonna be uh answering any and all of your your queerness related questions yeah they can be like things that you want our input on related to your own life or they can be things that you're wondering about one or both of us it's gonna be cute and fun so cute so cute and so fun fun <laughs> Okay. All right. Other thing that we want to talk to you about. We recently restructured our Patreon because capitalism is a horcrux. Take a moment to ponder upon that analogy and realize how incredibly accurate it is. So we are now doing a single support structure. When you go look at our Patreon, you will see there are still two tiers. They both have all of the exact same perks. One of them is just for folks who have and want to give at a higher level, but everyone gets access to the same content. It's very cool. Even if you can't or don't want to become a patron, go check out the public post about why we're doing what we're doing just because we feel really good about it and want to share it with all of you. Um, but also this is just a reminder to our current patrons who maybe haven't seen the info on that, that because of the restructuring, everyone does need to adjust your pledges accordingly in order to keep accessing content be because of the way that uh, Patreon works. So that's that. And lastly, we do have some new patrons to thank. Eli, Marissa, Peter, Sadia, Emily, Graham, Mo, Kelsey, and D the Shadow. Thank you so much for joining our Patreon. And you're really rad and great. Also, I think we're $20 away from meeting our first goal. Yeah, you guys. I mean, thank thank all of, all of y'all who are patrons uh, for this. It's a very weird time and money is even more of a fleeting thing right now so we really appreciate every pledge that y'all have gave in this time yeah i could hug you if i could but instead imagine me giving you a hug virtual hugs to all of you um yeah and then lastly are we have three new reviews which you all know we love getting new reviews they make us really happy so to jackrad tasha yalmi and rs spinner thank you so much for leaving us reviews on itunes and with that The Gaily Prophet operates under the assumption that you have read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them. They're wonderful. And then come back to us. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled. And that's your choice in this world. <laughs>
stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about Plum Velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about <laughs> Harry Potter. Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin Dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke Chardonnay, Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about Chapter 13 of Prisoner of Azkaban, Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw, in which Ron and Hermione are in a fight. <laughs> uh... For good reason, for maybe the only time in all of the books. Yeah. Um, Harry finally has a chance to use his firebolt that he nearly destroyed his friendship over. Even stoned as shit hooch is impressed, despite the unfair advantage it gives Harry on the Quidditch pitch. Harry also knows his Ravenclaw seeker, Cho Chang, is a cutie because compulsory heterosexuality. <laughs> but he won the Quidditch match. Woo! The excitement is short-lived as Sirius Black sneaks into the Gryffindor Tower and kills the curtains around Ron's bed. Everyone is fine, but poor dear Neville is in it deep for leaving out his list of passwords. <sighs> poor fucking Neville. I, I know, right? Yeah. Okay, we start this newspaper off with today's headlines. Hogwarts reevaluates policy of entrusting student safety to literal pieces of art, considers making it a paid position. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Hogwarts. I know y'all got that million galleon endowment somewhere underneath the fucking castle. Just pay someone. To do this job. Where are the security trolls from last book? Exactly. They wouldn't have let Sirius gotten past. They would not have let Sirius black into the common room. Like, regardless of whether or not he knew the password. For the love of God. Anyway, this rant is for... (laughs) (laughs) A bit later (laughs) in the ranting about stuff chapter section. So... We turn to the front page where we talk about all the things that don't belong in other sections of the newspaper. Honestly, Hermione should have fired both Ron and Harry as her friends in this chapter. I mean, she's already in a fight with Ron, which is like, we're going to get into later because it is very, it's more complicated than their their usual fights. But Hermione's in a rough patch right now. I'm like, why does she need to fire Harry? I mean... Harry isn't being, like, a straight jerk to her, but he's also not super sympathetic to, like, her obvious academic stress and unhealthiness. I mean, that's true, but it is also true that, like, Crookshanks obviously killed Scabbers, and Harry seems like he is trying to be friends with Hermione without being, like, Bro, your cat definitely killed Ron's rat. Trying to be like, okay, I'm gonna like let you do the your denial dance. Like I'm, but I'm still gonna talk to you. I'm not like taking Ron's side against you. I feel like Harry was doing a decent job, and that Hermione was having 
understandably outsized reactions to their interactions because she's really fucking stressed. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? I think that that's actually a really excellent point. I just, I just feel very deeply for Hermione in this chapter because oh she's God. obviously like on the verge of like emotional collapse. Yeah. And I mean, I think we, I think in editorial we should get more into about the Scabbers Crookshanks things. So I do want to get more into that. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. She just, she just, she's just clearly in a lot of pain, and I'm like, I've definitely been there academically, and it fucking sucks. I know, but like for us, usually that's like midterms and finals. This has just been Hermione's reality since the beginning of the school year. Like, oh, I, I, de- I definitely had a semester like that. It was very terrible. <laughs> the I've had semesters like that, but it was always because I was also working a full time job. It has never been because, like, I took too many courses. I've, like, done a full course load and then also worked 40 hours a week, which is, like... Yeah, I don't know how anyone does that, honestly. Don't ever do it if you have oh, a no. choice at all. No, I have oh no desire. I know I know myself. I would never do that. I can almost feel the eye twitch that I had for, like, three months straight wanting to come back just remembering those three months of my life it was such a bad idea i don't know what i was thinking because i didn't have to you know like it was not uh like i live in a dorm and have to go to school i have to take a full course load anyway we should talk more about this in education i think Okay. okay so my first point is that so i honestly don't know if this was something we talked about when we were recording the queer blur with Sarah, or if it was something that we talked about in an episode, but at some point we discussed the fact that Madame Hooch is like the kind of queer who special interest queer who like rides only a like pristine vintage broom. And you know, it's like totally impractical and most people are like, that should be in a museum. I can't believe you own it. And she's like, brooms are meant to be ridden. This chapter was like waving a flag being like, you are good at reading. Like you have accurately assessed this character. Yeah, no, I had like completely forgotten that it comes up in the text until I read it. And I'm like, wait, what? I know, <laughs> I know. For anyone who's not reading along with us and is like, what are you talking about? Uh, She goes on a long soliloquy to the entire Quidditch team about the old silver arrows and like what good brooms they were. And I promise you that when she and Ron go back to the stands to sit down and watch the practice, she talks Ron's ear off for the entire time about vintage brooms and like the one that she has hanging in her chambers which i feel like ron actually might be into that conversation yeah totally so like yeah um along those actually along this line about hooch and that whole scene is that hooch is clearly high as balls this entire chapter i know I feel like her, like, classic broom, like, soliloquy was also, like, that's really intense, but also you're clearly just so stoned. Yeah. And then she, like, Harry's doing practicing, she, like, falls asleep in the bleachers for, like, it seems like hours, and I'm like, you are too high. Yeah. 
I get it. You're in the you're in the Quidditch stand. You're like, I ain't, I ain't got shit else to do. But like, be a little bit more sober when you're supposed to be supervising children. <laughs> children that like both a mass murderer and like demons are trying to murder on a regular basis. Make better choices. Please. I know. It's just it's it's like this is what I expect of Hogwarts teachers, but it also is just so funny. It's just I mean it's it's terrible, but I'm also just like just be slightly a little slightly less high. Just I know. Slightly. It's so funny. Weird, I just, because I don't feel like in my millions of readings, and I know all of this stuff is like in my head somewhere, so to some extent, the things that I think of while we're talking is like based on the fact that I've read the books hundreds of times, but these passages with her every time, it's, I feel like I'm kind of noticing it for the first time a little bit, and I'm like, wow, we have really nailed this character, like... We have a, a deep and profound understanding of who Madame Hooch is. <laughs> and maybe that's because she's someone that we, like, definitely have in our peer groups, like, oh, many no. times over. Yeah, I mean, I feel like 20 years from now, I will be Madame Hooch. Just, like, <laughs> fucking stoned as shit. It won't be brooms, though. It's going to be, like, wildlife facts or something. And I'll be, like, volunteering at some, like you know, nature center, just talking to kids about vultures while I'm, like, high off of my ass. It's going to be great. Please so, don't I'm get be- high and interact <laughs> with wild animals and children, Jesse. <laughs> you will definitely get sued for getting a child mauled by a vulture. Oh, my God. I mean, vultures don't really go for livestock. It'll be fine. Excuse me. Look. <laughs> Your dad friend is interfering with this decades in advance. Do not make these choices. Okay. It also does occur to me, though, going back to Hooch, that the fact that her name is Hooch also makes me think that we're definitely just meant to assume that she's just, like, somehow intoxicated all the time. That's true. That's true. Actually, that's a really good point. I mean, I don't think it's alcohol just because I'm like, she just is in her own world in a way that I yeah. feel like being drunk doesn't make you come off as. Right. I agree. Anyway, kids, that's how you know. <laughs> you can guess if someone's just... Okay. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, I think I think you're... I think you're next. No, it's you. Okay. So there's a little... There's, a little, there's an excellent bit of like... More of the foreshadowing behind the scenes work when Harry and Ron see Crookshanks outside and Harry's like, oh fuck, I thought it was the Grim for a second. But it's like totally, that's totally the moment where like Crookshanks is like handing off the password list to Sirius. That's just a great little moment. Yeah, after the book, you're like, oh, that's what, that's totally what's going on in this little scene. Mm-hmm. This is, I just love it. That's all. I want to talk about. Malfoy flirting with Harry. <laughs> yes. Let's. It is so much. And also, I just want to point out that his eyes are once again described as glittery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harry, I just feel like when you, when you mean something like negative about the quality of the look in someone's eyes, glittery is not the word that you choose. It sure isn't. 
<laughs> like the fact that that's what Harry is like very consistently like Malfoy's glittery eyes and Malfoy's eyes glittered whatever whatever and it's just like glittered maliciously wow. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> hot yeah it's it's a really good scene that's a really good scene and also so Malfoy's dig at Harry is so weak and Harry's rebuttal is, is so, so good. good. I it's know. so good. <laughs> that's why he had, that's why Malfoy had to walk away. It's like you 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 didn't even you didn't even know how to top that. You just had to retreat. <laughs> yeah, just... right. Like if if it was if it was Hook and they were like doing, you know, bangerang, Malfoy's was definitely a it was a very bad. Will you read? Can you dramatically read the passage? You have it in front of you. I actually do have it in front of me. <clears throat> Got plenty of special features, has it? Said Malfoy, eyes glittering maliciously. Shame it doesn't come with a parachute in case you get too near a Dementor. Crab and Goyle snickered. Pity you can't attach an extra arm to yours, Malfoy, said Harry. Then it could catch the snitch for you. The Gryffindor team laughed loudly. Malfoy's pale eyes narrowed, and he stalked away. Because what the fuck else is he supposed to do to that? Yeah. Like, uh. you're, gonna need, you're gonna need some sal for that burn, Malfoy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know that Malfoy, like, went to bed that night and just, like, replayed that interaction over and over in his head and was just, like, so many feelings. Well, he, said, he laid in his bed and also was, like, came up with, like, five different things he could have responded at the time and then was annoyed that he didn't do that. Yep. It's hard, it's hard out there for Slytherin in love. <laughs> yeah. It's tough to have a crush. I think that's an okay go song. <laughs> well, it's tough to have a crush when the boy doesn't feel the same way you do. Well, it's tough to have a crush when it only leaves you blue. Perhaps they'll find you in the river in a month or two well it's tough to crush on you so my next thing is just more more of our girl penelope clearwater she doesn't actually speak in this passage which is unfortunate but just percy's whole that whole interaction about the bet is just like what would have happened if Percy would have lost that bet? I mean, I feel like, I feel like the fact that he won that bet doesn't actually mean anything. But I'm kind of just like, I have the same question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what is what is what is a hundred galleons worth of of repayment look like in sex? You you mean ten galleons? Yeah, that hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's got to be something like, I'm like kind of mad about this, but you're into it. So we're going to do it potentially, but like, not like in a weird way. Gonna like, you really like someone. So you're like, I like making you happy. We can do this thing. Mm. No, I feel like it would just be like intense service bottoming. Fair. Or just like weeks, weeks of edging. I feel this happens because he, he won the bet. It's like, all right, well, Penelope's not just going to hand you 10 galleons, dude. Like, 
No, I'm sure that 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 payment, all that transaction, also happened in some way where where Percy was was bottoming. But I feel like if it was like, oh, you you owe me ten galleons, like you made a bet that you couldn't follow through on, like clean my boots with your tongue, you know, it's they would look different, right? Yeah. Uh, I also sort of enjoy knowing that Penelope is either into brooms and or into Quidditch because she came over to be like I want to check out this this firebolt I think she just wanted Percy to watch her holding a (laughs) phallic object (laughs) actually (laughs) 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 so what you're saying is I clearly need to write uh, more Penelope Percy during this during this chapter I (laughs) <laughs> I, I hope that all of our patrons who read your fanfic want you to write more Penelope Percy fanfic. <laughs> I mean, I enjoy I enjoy writing it, so it's like whatever. Yeah, and you're very good at writing it. <laughs> so you, yes, please go for it. <laughs> Just want to let everyone know that I'm a big fan of our head canon of Penelope Clearwater. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so my last front page is just that Harry cast a Patronus. He did. He can do it. Yeah. If he's exhilarated and it's a fake Dementor, but still. I feel like he... Do you think he could have done it if it was a real Dementor? I don't know. I feel like being on a broom is his happy place. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's best case scenario for him. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, I think I think you're right that he probably still would have been able to produce a Patronus. And, like, I feel like the text makes it vague if it's, like, if it is actually his stack Patronus or just sort of, like, a blob of, like, Patronus magic. Yeah, I don't think it's corporeal, but I think it's, like... Enough. A, a, yeah, a, a good non-corporeal Patronus. Mm-hmm. How disappointed do you think Harry was that it was not real Dementors? A little bit. But I feel like that would maybe override his satisfaction of like producing more than a wisp. You know? Yeah. Which is what he's been trying to do this whole time. So in reality, what he should be doing is just practicing the Patronus charm while on his broom <laughs> in the Quidditch. Totally. Match. Yeah. Like that should have been the rest of this this uh you know, extra classes. So Yeah, because then he like wires his neural pathways to like associate casting that charm with being on a broom, so it's much easier to pull up a happy feeling. But also I guess very public, which I guess I don't know if that is an issue of any kind. I don't know. Anyway. Uh yeah, what's next? Alright. Um, so my next front page is just, uh, I just want to acknowledge Cho Chang, third Asian person in this book, and one of like, whatever, 17 people of color or whatever in this entire series. So glad, glad she's, uh, glad she's in the books. Yeah. We have a lot of conversations about her, you know, queued up for the future. Yeah. But yeah, but we just want to acknowledge that this, this is her first formal introduction as a character and she's a very good 
seeker who is incredibly bold. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I love her I, style. Yeah, I mean, I love a love a love a female athlete, and considering she's the only girl in the Ravenclaw team, which seems very weird. We'll talk about that later. Like, good for her. Yeah, I also like. I just really love her style. Her like secret. She's like, I can't beat that broom. I'm not even gonna look. Like, it's just really, it's sassy and like really just. I'm I'm very into it. It's very it's a very Ravenclaw tactic. I feel like you're just like, all right, let me calculate what is going to be the best thing to do. I'm just going to follow this guy because, <laughs> like, right, like I can't. She is like what, like a clean sweep or something, and this is like the Bugatti of brooms, and she's like in like in a Honda. Of course, you're not just going to try to like outrace that. You're like, I'm just going to follow you because yeah, and like get in his way. It's really good. It's just it's a very I think unique tactic and i applaud it mm-hmm. so what's next lee jordan's commentary which i love <laughs> but i like it particularly like how in this chapter it's like every podcast ad ever where he's like giving his normal commentary and it'll go into like a feature of the fireball and mcdonald's goes like are there are they paying you to give this like please just narrate the match yes uh and it's just it's just so funny because it's like having someone having a student do the Quidditch commentary is sort of as close as they get to a like I'm not like not quite like a media arts thing, but it's I don't know one of the very few like sort of creative things we see anyone do as a student. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I would just always lament the lack of any kind of creative artistic outlet that seems to happen at Hogwarts. So. It mm-hmm. makes me very frustrated. Yeah. Also, I want to give a shout out to Harry for having a like average young person experience of like winning the sports match and having a party with his friends. Harry gets so few just like run of the mill moments <laughs> that I'm like, oh Harry, we're just hanging out and like chugging butterbeer and having a good time. <laughs> I wish you had more of these moments. Yeah, and nothing happens. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. No one no one is dead. You're you're not worried about anything. You just won the Quidditch match. It feels great. Yeah. So. That's a good point. So my my last front page is that when Ron is like clearly in shock about having thinking he almost got murdered by Sirius. Mm-hmm. But my favorite is he's like trying to describe it to Percy and he's like Sirius Black in the dormitory with a knife and I'm like <laughs> Ron is, is like describing the worst game of Clue is what's happening right now yeah <laughs> uh, and all the Muggleborns think of that joke in their heads and are like the wrong time too soon <laughs> yeah 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 there's definitely like at least two Muggleborns are like I can't say this out loud because he's clearly freaking out this is really serious but LOL yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> Uh. Welcome to editorials where we rant about stuff. So my first thing is about, of course, Ron and Hermione's fight, mm-hmm. which is like, it's really hard because like I feel like on both sides you're kind of just like, I understand where you're coming from. This is a really, this is a really hard thing to grapple with. 
I feel like I, I don't know how I, uh, how I would feel and if I was on either if I was either in Ron or Hermione's place I would also just be fucking angry and like I don't want to talk to you about this shit so I think that Hermione is wrong here um I think that her attitude towards this whole thing is like inexcusable and like Ron says all he wants is for her to act sorry which is 100% reasonable and I believe him and she should be sorry and she should not be making excuses and like there there's a right answer here which is Hermione being like Ron you're right I should have taken you more seriously when you pointed out that Crookshanks was targeting scabbers and I didn't and I didn't keep him away from your dorm and that was wrong of me and it definitely looks like he ate your rat and I'm so sorry and I feel terrible can you please forgive me and then they could be friends again and she should do that not just so they can be friends again because even if Ron didn't want to forgive her which would be honestly understandable she still owes him that apology no that's fair and you're right because like Hermione like isn't at all acknowledging Ron's feelings I mean I don't know and like maybe this is just coming from someone who is a like really obsessive cat person but like I mean you're right like Hermione should have definitely been keeping a closer eye on Crookshanks Ron could have also been doing some a little bit more for Scabber's protection than like having him loose in his dorm. So, and I'm not saying that like if this is like Jesse, it was if it was always fine for Scabber's to be loose in Ron's dorm with however the fuck many cats were in the dorm before Crookshanks got there. It is not the case that Ron should have to make special accommodations because Hermione's cat wants to kill his rat like he has done the thing which is have multiple conversations with Hermione about the fact that she needs to keep her cat from murdering other people's pets like that's on her for sure and it's not like it even helps when, like, Ron does have him on his person, like, in his pocket or in his bag. Crookshanks is still trying to kill him. So, like, what's he going to do? Put up, like, an electric fence around his bed yeah. to keep Crookshanks out? No, I mean, you're right. And it's like, Hermione should have definitely been addressing this way earlier than... Because you're right, like, Crookshanks was, like, physically also attacking Ron, which is, like, not great. yeah. I mean, I feel like, I don't know, like Jezebel caught one of my friend's chickens one time and luckily didn't killed it. She just laid on it and looked at us like, look, I caught dinner. Come get it. Um, But like, it would be totally inappropriate for me to have been like, well, your chicken shouldn't have been loose on your farm. So it's not just it's not my fault that my (laughs) loose dog attacked your chicken like no it is i didn't have my dog on a leash i wasn't paying attention and like it's not jezebel's fault right like she's a dog she's like that looks like fun i have 
a prey drive. I'm going to go catch a chicken for dinner. But it is my responsibility as a dog owner to stop my dog from eating my friend's chickens, you know? No, you're right. So I'm not blaming Crookshanks, but I am blaming Hermione. No, that's fair. No, that is totally fair. Yeah, Hermione could be a much better pet owner about and yeah better better to better to poor ron yeah this is probably the only time that i'm gonna be arguing avidly in ron's defense it's gonna be another another couple of times but yeah this is gonna be the last time for like i think like a book and a half yeah hermione is is definitely in the wrong here and and she just needs to offer a meaningful apology which is the easiest and hardest thing to do you know mm-hmm. but she needs to and like when they find scabbers later and like that makes it better like i honestly don't think it should because she still failed to take accountability for her behavior and that's like really shitty I don't think I realized how mad at Hermione I was until we started talking about this. I think this is also maybe a thing in the Hermione needs other friends. Because what she needs is a friend to be like, okay, girl, you're tripping a little bit. Yeah. Which Harry could do if he hadn't been such a fucking dickhead to her for the last however long about the broom. Yeah. Like, but right now he can't say anything to her because it's like it does. It just looks like he's being a jerk and taking Ron's side. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is just why I'm like, Hermione, you need like one more friend. <laughs> just like At one least. More. Yeah. At least someone to be like, okay, girl, really? You know? Because I feel like we all and need a friend. And this is why the sorting system is so fucked up because like a good dorm assignment system would make sure that there weren't only three people in the third you know in like one class of Gryffindor girls because like you know what I mean like they need to be like there's an abundance of people to choose from here so that if like Parvati and Lavender become besties Hermione won't be just like left alone yeah and I think it must be hard because it's like that also means that like even any of the like older girls are probably also already just have besties from like you know, being around each other, so it's sort of like... Yeah, I'm glad that her and Jenny are on the brink of becoming good buds. Yeah. Which must mean that Jenny is similarly not having peers in her in her dorm. I mean, I don't think we even... Do we even know of any other girls in Gryffindor in Jenny's year? I feel like we don't. No. Uh, but on a on a lighter note, I just want to like, lol, Fred and George's attempt to cheer up Ron. <laughs> it's... It's like... <laughs> okay, so my note is that it is like both in character and not in character for them because we so frequently have them being so sensitive to the needs of others, and then and this is like. 
really missing the mark but in a way that's like very funny which is in line with like their brand of funny and so it's this weird space between their two sort of modes of being where they're just like failing at both kind of <laughs> it's a it's really sad and i thought like that's why jenny is like what the fuck you guys like because yeah because it kind of feels like maybe they're kind of being junky to try to, to try to cheer ron up but it's like failing miserably and it's like go buy him a new rat then you guys you're like i don't know yeah so no don't buy pets for people without their consent that's true that is true you're right but yeah no there's definitely a better way to be there for ron without being like remember how much you complained about your pet especially when you know that like ron is the kind of person where like complaining about something is his way of talking about how much he loves it you know yeah yeah word i mean it's definitely the epitome of the like you tried star (laughs) yeah it is (sighs) okay do you have anything else about that no okay so i want to stay on the fred and george tip for a second here did they steal that food (laughs) yes they did right something i don't know i mean maybe okay the honeydukes owners are like two children from hogwarts just showed up in our shop randomly when because it's not full of students right now so if they come up from the basement that's going to be way more obvious and it's not a hogsmeade weekend so like those people would probably like send an owl to school not just like sell them a bunch of candy i i think they if they didn't steal the food they like didn't steal it by like taking it and like leaving money somewhere in the basement which is very suspicious anyway so suspicious i mean i guess maybe not if you like live in the magical world maybe you're just like sometimes magical creatures get in and eat my stuff i don't know yeah but but yeah in one way or another they stole that food right Mm -hmm. that's wild it's just and it's so blatant because it's like where does everyone think this food came from i know maybe they think that they like no i don't know i was gonna say have like a house elf that will like go run a quick errand for them but that would not take a couple hours i mean get the sense that they have sneaked they sneaked into the kitchens though right mm-hmm. so. sneak it seems very simple when we yeah see i mean it you, happen, but... you go into the kitchens yeah basically yeah which seems nice it seems like you just could just go down there and like ask for some food and like be on your merry way yeah which like all the students should really know about that since there's like no fucking snack times at hogwarts which is a problem yeah, I would, I mean, I'm already the kind of person where it's like, I keep like energy bars in the pockets of my coats and stuff where I'm like, if I, if I need a snack, it needs to happen right now. Where I'm yeah. like, are y'all just like, what is, is no one else just like putting food in a napkin for like later? Cause that would totally be me. Yeah. Yeah. Snacks and coffee need to be available all the time. <laughs> it seems weird that Harry doesn't at least like grab some food for later. I wonder if it would disappear when the f- when the food disappears from the tables. I hope not. That'd be weird. But it also kind of makes sense, right? I guess it depends on what's happening when it disappears from the table. And like, what is the like parameter of like what disappears? 
Because like if I'm eating a sandwich and I don't want it to disappear out of my hand, I'd be very upset. <laughs> I would be so upset. I'm pretty sure that we see that happen at some point. Do we? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe we're going to have to keep a lookout or someone will just send us an email. Please let us know about the food service at Hogwarts. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Look. <laughs> I know that it had to happen, but the fact that Crookshanks threw Neville under the bus is so <laughs> painful to me. It's so mean. It's so terrible. I like poor Neville. Oh, him at the end of this chapter. And his fluffy slippers. Shaking. So upset. Crying. Oh, God. It's so sad. And, like, Crookshanks is, like, sentient enough that I'm, like, couldn't you have thought of another way? Like, (laughs) sentient's not the word. Conscious? Uh, whatever. Anyway, Crookshanks has enough ability to like make decisions that i wish that that he could have come up with a plan that didn't involve harming sweet tender neville i feel like that might have been a very opportunistic plan because it was probably because i'm like neville probably did write all those things down and then legitimately like put it down somewhere and forget about it and then christians is like oh here's a plan that we could execute no i'm pretty sure uh, Sirius says at the end of the book that Crookshanks stole it off Neville's nightstand. And we already saw Neville lose the list a couple mm. chapters ago. Or saying that he had written it down and like lost the list. But uh, no, Crookshanks like flat out like threw Neville under the bus. <laughs> uh, it's It's very sad. And it's also totally unfair for McGonagall to be mad at him because like he clearly has something going on that messes with his ability to remember stuff and she's the one who allowed this like wacky fucking portrait to be employed to guard the portrait hole and just like changes passwords all the time which is like ridiculous an accessibility issue for neville and then you're like mad at him for writing down the passwords i don't think so that's not gonna work yeah i mean personally i would have needed to write down the passwords i have a very fancy password manager so i don't forget the passwords i use every day because i'm like i don't remember what i said before like three minutes ago for this password and i gotta reset it so yeah that just made me think of uh when i rescued that cat yesterday when I like took it to the shelter or the animal hospital, they had me fill out an intake thing. And it was like, where did you like cross section where you found the cat? And I was like, I am so glad that like when I called Evan to be like, bring a box to put this cat in, I had to say out loud to him the intersection, (laughs) which is one block down and one block up from my home. And I, don't know the name of the cross street that like the main street that goes out to like get out of my neighborhood on that side of like my block as a general rule like I don't know the name of that street and I was like if I hadn't said this out loud like half an hour ago I wouldn't know what to write down (laughs) and that would be very embarrassing (laughs) 
Listen, this is what maps are for, is why I would have just been like, it's what phones are for. I know. I'd have been like, let me get this out. (laughs) No, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) No, I don't live around the corner from there. I was breaking the quarantine laws and had gone walking somewhere. Don't talk to me. (laughs) Uh. I know. I feel like. At work, sometimes I'll, like, forget something someone said, like, literally three minutes later. And I'm like, could you repeat that? I've literally forgotten. And they're like, oh, you're, you're too young to have any of these memory problems. And I'm like, not that young. It's my baby God, face. But also, also, my brain is a maze full of angry hamsters. So, like, I don't know. The moral of this story is that we should start a support group with Neville Longbottom. <laughs> And we can all be such good buddies and swap stories. And he would feel so much better about himself upon realizing that he's not like an anomaly. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Neville needs like ADHD Twitter, which is one of the best Twitters. Yeah. So or really is. just a general like neuroatypical Twitter. Yeah, Neville also needs some more friends. Yeah. Or like a dog. I don't know. Both. (laughs) I feel like him and Hermione could be really good friends because I think that they're both dealing with like very similar, like similar, but maybe different like types of being neuroatypical. Like I think they could probably find a lot of places where their experiences overlap and things that they have in common and could also probably like swap tips of like things that work for me things you know whatever like ways that they can like be accountability buddies and whatever yeah fanfic for the future i'm I'm literally writing this down so i don't forget (laughs) oh cute join us on patreon if you want to hear fanfic about neville and hermione being buds it'll it'll definitely end with hermione chucking neville's remember all off like the astronomy tower because fuck that thing yeah <laughs> hopefully it'll end with hermione making like maybe like bewitching the remember all to be like a list app you know oh my god a psychic list app jesse that's really all i would want in my life that would be so great anyway let's move on would you like to talk about sports yeah great welcome to the sports section where we reluctantly talk about quidditch i just i don't understand why the slytherin and ravenclaw teams are so boy heavy i mean in general the gender division of sports is bullshit but on quidditch like you're on a like there isn't like there it shouldn't matter like i mean again this doesn't matter really in i think any sport but especially in quidditch you're like sitting on a broom i just i don't i mean and i mean it's very like obvious that like hogwarts quidditch that doesn't matter like, there's, there's like a structural rule built in but it just seems weird that like half of the school's teams are mostly dudes and i don't know why but it just seems weird. It's really, really weird. I I feel like 
With Slytherin, I feel like the intention was to be like, they're bigoted in many ways. But with Ravenclaw, I have no idea. Like, why? What purpose is that? serve like what is it trying to tell us about ravenclaws like when we know so little about ravenclaws anyway i mean i think specifically for this chapter is to sort of make cho stand out but like that didn't need to be like she's the only girl on the team i don't envision ravenclaws giving a fuck about like tradition as much as like pure bloods try to maintain like the patriarchy of pure-blooded culture or whatever it's just real weird, and it's like one of those like hashtag do better JKR moments. Yeah, it is very very bizarre. Yeah, I don't I don't have any idea. Point. Okay, so my only sports point is, you know, we've we've talked about this before, but like the firebolt really calls it into sharp perspective like why are they allowed to ride different brooms yeah harry has a like professional quidditch league broom and everyone else is on like varying degrees of all right brooms mm-hmm. and it clearly makes a difference and it's like right how is that how's that even allowed like it shouldn't have been allowed at all yes harry's a good flyer but having a bomb ass broom gives him such an unfair advantage that, like, right. is if never he and Cho traded brooms, he would not have won. He would not much. have won. No. It's totally unacceptable. It makes me really frustrated. I don't even care a tiny bit about Quidditch, aside from the fact that it makes Harry happy and that's nice. But, like, I I feel very upset about the inequity of this situation especially because this impacts house points right it basically means that like the rich kids do better in quidditch or they can afford better brooms Mm -hmm. as much as harry does not consider himself a draco malfoy like stuck up rich kid they still like you still have this fancy ass broom that like your rich godfather brought you you know yeah and before you even had like the nicest on the market broom before so it's like dude yeah Yeah, and Harry, along with everyone else, was so upset when fucking Lucius Malfoy bought the whole Slytherin team, Nimbus 2001, 2001s, because it was like, you know, that's not fair because the rest of the kids don't have brooms that nice. And then he's like, it's 100% fair that I have this firebolt and like that those things can't both be true at all like everyone needs to be riding the same broom right and at least the slytherin team everyone is riding the same broom yeah but everyone on both teams needs to be riding the same broom i know i mean in reality they should all be riding school brooms they shouldn't be riding brooms they own because of this for this exact reason so but that would require hogwarts to actually care about the inequities that happen at hogwarts which as we know they do not care about they don't care no Despite the fact that I feel like they probably do have a huge endowment, which, fuck you guys. Yeah, great. Uh, (laughs) This has been Quidditch. (laughs) This has been. Welcome to the education section where we talk about this goddamn school. Where 
Madam Hooch fell asleep. I know we already talked about it, but like she fell asleep supervising the game because she's supposed to stop Harry from getting murdered and she went to sleep. Like I know if Sirius is really trying to murder Harry, Harry would be dead. Yeah. Like between her and fucking Sir Cadigan. Hopeless. But like also literally for real, like I don't think this has actually occurred to me until right now, but if Sirius was really trying to murder Harry, Harry would be dead. Like there's like right, like she doesn't who doesn't even walk Ron and Harry back to the castle in the dark? And like Sirius was fucking there. Like he was there with Crookshanks. And if he was really trying to murder Harry, that would have been the time. Yep. Yeah. It's it's wild. Who should not be supervising children? No. And pieces of art should not be responsible for keeping murderers out of dorm rooms. So I actually Yeah, I thought the whole like password system seems really ridiculous actually right because you know who knows the password to gryffindor tower definitely penelope clearwater Mm -hmm. also everyone else who is dating someone who lives in gryffindor tower right it's and, and and anyone who's like overhearing like it would be so easy to just like closely follow neville until he asks someone the password because he can't remember it right neville spent a lot of time hanging outside of the common room waiting for someone to come in and out to let him in which is fucked up yeah and and i know we don't necessarily have canonical evidence for that but like just knowing his character that is what happens a majority of his week like he's just like reading a book about plans waiting for someone to come by i think we do get evidence for that at least a couple times i think definitely in book one i think but i just assume it doesn't stop past yeah i mean like yeah and it just it also doesn't also doesn't make any sense where it's like the portraits are sentient so it's like you know who the fuck is in gryffindor house right that so that's that was my question is like did no one clarify to sir cadigan that he should not let Sirius Black in the <laughs> dorm, even if he knew the password? I don't think so. That seems like an enormous oversight. No, that isn't a, it is an incredible oversight. Um, which is why Sir Cadigan should have never been the portrait in the first place. Because, <laughs> like, he does... Do you think the fat lady would have let Sirius in if he knew the password? So she says in the chapter where, she, where her portrait gets fucked up that he didn't have the password, right? Yeah. I don't know. I guess my question is sort of like, how much control does the portrait actually have? Or is it sort of like password activated release? I feel like, you know, it must, it must be just like password activated because isn't, isn't that how Harry gets into Ravenclaw Tower in book seven, even though he's not a Ravenclaw? Wait. No, because there's a point where when Harry gets back to Gryffindor Tower and the fat lady is gone on like Christmas or something and he can't get in and he has to wait or he leaves because he can't get in or something. Oh, you're right. 
and Ravenclaw Tower is different. They don't have a password. They you have to answer a question, which is like anybody could get into Ravenclaw Tower if they can answer the question. Yeah. So yeah, the password system is bullshit, basically. Like what it it like I don't understand the purpose that it solves, that it serves. No. Yeah, they they need uh like key cards. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel like you could have magical key cards, though. Like, totally. you could hand out literal magical keys to these kids. I mean, Neville would probably lose his. But if they were magical, they would find their way back to your pocket, like Percy Jackson's sword. That's true. Yeah, they just do that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, when, Neville, when Neville is and uh, Neville becomes headmaster, he's gonna he's gonna do that. Yeah, I like how we're just like. Hermione, the Minister of Magic, and Neville, the Headmaster of Hogwarts, will fix all the problems that we have found in this society. <laughs> oh. I mean, they are both the types to do so. Which is Absolutely. I feel like we are not out of line in that in that. No. So no, they're both they're both very good people who want the best <laughs> for everyone. Okay. Whose turn is it? I think I brought up the password system, so I think it's your turn. Okay. So Hermione has 422 pages to read for homework. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that is too too much. For like, I mean, I didn't have to fucking read that much in like my college classes. I assume she means like combined between all of her classes but even so that feels that's more pages than like all of deathly hollows i think i don't know how many pages that book is but like that's that's real that's a lot and it's like academic you know yeah which is like the slowest driest reading yeah and she's 13 like that's the other piece of it is like she's 13 fucking years old what are they doing yeah, I mean, she should have never been allowed this ridiculous course load because it's like... You know, it's an important lesson to learn making decisions, you know? It's okay to be like, yeah, you're really enthusiastic about everything. You still have to choose a normal number of classes because you're 13. And, like, this is a good exercise in prioritizing Right, and like she could have learned about Muggle studies in her free time, you know, maybe hung yeah. out with some of the other Muggle-born kids or something, you know. Totally, or not taken divination. Yeah, like she should have been dropped div- divination. Totally. Which I think should be in the next couple of chapters or so when she does that. But like, it should have been way sooner. It should have been this chapter where she's like freaking out and about to just like cry hysterically from, from the pressure of her academic work so you should have been like you know what fuck you divinations yeah totally but it's hard for her mind to give up on stuff so right i'm sure not how, it feels like failing it's not it's not quite how her brain is wired no yeah it's definitely taken you know years of therapy to be like oh honoring limitations and failure are not synonymous actually i mean this is maybe at least i think maybe the book where she 
And I won't say, like, figures that out. But she doesn't try, like, the too many classes stunt again after this. True. Well. Because sometimes, I mean, she can't, obviously, but. Right. Sometimes you just got to have that one shitty year to be like, you know what? This is rock bottom. I'm good. So good. Don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. I mean, doing it at 13 is real hellish, though. <sighs> yes. Totally. You can't even imagine. Mm-mm. All right. What's next? Uh, I just have one more point, which is... I can't believe we haven't talked about this yet. Uh, so, uh, Malfoy trying to freak out Harry by pretending to be a Dementor and getting caught hilariously, which would have happened anyway, I think. Um, but this is, like, one of the few times that we see Malfoy getting in trouble for shit like this. And part of me is, like... He's gets in, he gets in trouble for, like, almost sabotaging this Quidditch match. And I'm like, McGonagall, can you please have your priorities straight? Like, Harry and Draco fight and do ridiculous shit constantly. And it's like, it never is addressed by the, by the professors at all. And this is the one time it gets addressed. And I'm like, because it's at a fucking Quidditch match? Really, McGonagall? Well... It's because it's at a Quidditch match that she's there to see it because they're, like, completely unsupervised the rest of the time. That's true. That is true. Which is its own issue. (laughs) But even with the shit with the, like, Potter stinks button that Draco made with LOL. (laughs) Where it's, like, literally everyone can see this. Yeah, it's bullying. It's terrible. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. it's just not a, it's not a good look for mcgonagall really no. or for the school in general no i guess speaking of mcgonagall and like supervision so she shows up twice to tell them to be quiet now which makes me wonder where her chambers are and if she has like a baby monitor <laughs> <laughs> What's going on there? Like, how does she know that they're out of bed and being loud? Like, what? what's happening? Do you think her, like, sleeping chambers are, like, near slash next to slash under their common room? I mean, they're either, like, very nearby or... No, they must be very nearby because she shows up very quickly and you can't operate inside of Hogwarts and she doesn't take flu in there. We don't see her come out of the fireplace. So, yeah, yeah, she's, like, in her like... pajamas, still. Right. So she must be, like, right there, which is weird that we that we never, like, learn that. And But also, like, these are castle walls. How is she hearing them? Maybe they were really loud. I guess. Maybe it's, like, if her... So Gryffindor common rooms are in a tower. If she's, like... If her chambers are, like, below the common room... I guess it depends what the floors are made out of, though. Stone, right? I mean, I guess probably. I mean, maybe she's just on the same corridor, because, like, maybe she can hear them through the portrait. I like the idea of a magical baby monitor. I mean, that seems right up, uh, you know, Hogwarts NSA. Yeah. Very cool. That's my last education point. Do you have anything else? Do you have anything else for this episode? I do not. Cool. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Gaily Prophet. You can and should find us on the internet, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Gaily Prophet. 
remember to tweet about us using the hashtag gaily news and uh you know join the conversation it's fun yeah uh you should also tell all your friends uh about this podcast um they're now all at home bored with plenty of time to listen to our podcast you should also rate and review our podcast if you have not already it makes us feel very special and don't you want to see us be happy <laughs> yeah, it also helps convince your friends to listen to it when they go look at us and they're like, oh, look, it has very good ratings and reviews that, you know, matters. You can also find us on our website, which is thegailyprofit.com, where you can do all sorts of things, including buy our very cute merch, which is great or on patreon at patreon.com slash the gaily profit where you can both support us and get extra content so much extra content <laughs> if you want to follow me between episodes i'm on twitter at jesse underscore detroit and on instagram at live from detroit i promise it's not all coronavirus related panic <laughs> hey you've been posting lots of good like cooking stuff and cat stuff it's been good uh you can find me on the internet on instagram at lark malachi or at radical healer and also on my website which is larkmalachi.com our show art is by theo julian forrester as are our comics which you can also find on our social media and on our website the music and our theme song and spoiler warning are by kevin mcleod our spoiler warning is by Sarah Sarwar. And until next time. Oh, I actually don't have words for this episode. <laughs> <laughs>